Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Today's show is brought to you by OnPay, the new standard in payroll. You can pay employees and contractors in minutes, automate your payroll taxes and filings, as well as provide health benefits and HR in all 50 states. For more information, visit buildingthefutureshow.com slash onpay. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Kamel and Anoop, founders at Zor. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. This is Kamal. I'm, yep, this is a new. Really excited to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys on the show. I think what you guys are doing is really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into Zor, let's get to know each one of you a little bit better. And uh, Kamal, do you want to maybe start first and then uh, pass it over to your brother Anoop? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm the founder and CEO of Zor. Um, We've been doing this for a little over four years now, um, but we're barely getting started. Very cool. So um, maybe do you guys want to give me a bit of background on kind of where you guys grew up, where each one of you went to school, and then um, maybe if you guys could walk us through your journey up until founding a company together? Yeah, of course. I'm happy to kind of jump into that and kind of uh, elaborate. Um, fortunately, unfortunately, being brothers, I think the stories definitely overlap. Um, but I think at some point we kind of shifted our uh, our focuses a little bit where we kind of learned our own little trades and secrets and expertise to run the business today that kind of allow us to, to not be doing the same things and thinking about things the same way. Um, we, we both grew up so... Um, we grew, I grew up in Kansas City, uh, born and raised Kansas City, that sort of thing. Um, and, and our parents have always been in the restaurant business. So growing up, we were uh, constantly at the restaurant. I remember when I was like five years old and then I would skip preschool or whatever and, and go with my dad to work because I was always so like intrigued by what he did and that sort of thing. Uh, we grew up working at the restaurant. We were busing tables, serving tables, washing dishes, uh, everything you could think of. And that's kind of where we get a lot of our hospitality experience from uh, from early on. And, and, and that really helped us in, in building the business kind of in the long run as well. When we really like if, if, you, if you've ever worked at a restaurant, have you ever worked at a restaurant? Uh, the closest thing would be like McDonald's, if you consider that like a restaurant. But <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's perfect. I think anything where you're kind of just getting um, badgered by people that want food and they want it quick, you know, and, and right. they don't really care how you get it done, just get it done. You understand and you have this level of humility uh, that that comes with it. Um, and, and I think we built that aspect of those soft skills kind of early on uh, before ever starting this company. And I think that's been our foundation of why and how we do things. Um, so what that, the restaurant business was great. And, and, but, but the problem was we weren't really passionate about food. Like I'm, I'm like, I would call myself a foodie, but I wouldn't call myself like a diehard, like restauranteur, if you, if you want to call it that. Gotcha. Um, and, and our passion was really into cars. And so growing up, we were 
uh, we were flipping cars. We were flipping car parts. I was, I remember in middle school, I put up a Craigslist ad saying I would detail any, detail anybody's car for like a hundred dollars. Um, and this would be like a 15 hour detail where I would, I would bring random strangers cars to my house, my parents' house rather. And I would detail them over the weekends. And that's kind of what I did in my free time. And, and, and so that kind of, uh, happened. And then we started flipping cars and this is like middle school into high school. And that's when the pain point for the service that we're offering now really came up. We were, we would have three or four cars in the driveway, um, one car needed a tire, one car had a flat tire one time. And I remember going to the tire shop and it was like, oh yeah, you can drop off your car and we'll have it done today. And this was in the morning and um, the car never got done that day. I waited all day, you know, and I was actually in their, in their facility, like waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and that's when it like really started to trigger and we're like, okay, there has to be a better way to do this. And, and that's kind of where the idea stemmed from. It was a evolving long time pain point that turned into a business over time. Interesting. Okay, so how long after, like, because if you guys were, you came up with this idea while you were guys in high school, you guys obviously went to uh, university. So what did you guys take in university and, and then how did you guys actually decide to build Zor? That's yeah, I, I'll, let, I'll let Kamal jump on that one because I'm not <laughs> as educated as he is. <laughs> Well, not, I wouldn't say that, but um, the the idea actually stemmed um, from us observing things that were happening in the market. Um, you know, we saw, like when I was in college um, between 2009 and 2013, uh, this is when on-demand delivery services were really starting to take off. Um, services like Uber and Lyft were starting to become mainstream. Um, and then we started to see this wave of Uber for X types of startups for literally anything and everything. And it was kind of interesting because we had already seen other companies in the automotive space achieve a, a really a good amount of success over, you know, a long period of time, um, well before this uh, wave of new startups. Uh, companies like SafeLight that deliver auto glass replacement and uh, repair services, you know, they've been around for decades. Um, and when we were at these tire shops or these regular repair facilities, it always kind of stuck in our head, like, why can't the tire shop come to us? And, you know, that pain point just stuck with us. And when we actually felt that the opportunity was right, uh, that's when we decided to act on our instincts. Um, we also saw like other companies in other markets uh, starting to build out similar types of services. So that was like an early validation that we received from the market um, where we knew that, okay, this seems like it's probably working in this market. So why don't we actually bring this to our hometown and test it out and um, be as scrappy as possible and build an MVP and see how people react to it. Um, so we, we actually built this out of our, uh, out of our driveway. Um, we upfitted a van with specialty equipment that we didn't know how to use. Um, and we basically trained ourselves on it, uh, trained ourselves how to change a tire and balance a wheel, you know, all these kinds of things uh, using the specialty equipment. Um, but, you know, we went out and um, we made an assumption early on that uh, maybe we should go and find other people who also have a similar outlook on life. Um, you know, maybe they're also car enthusiasts. They value services like ours um, and 
you know, they also feel the pain every single time that they go into a shop. Um, and that's exactly what we did. That's how we got our early traction. Um, and this was like uh, about a year after I had left school. So I went to school for engineering. Um, and that's kind of where my expertise has been um, within the company and prior to the company is uh, focusing on the product side, you know, building things that delight customers. Like that's really the core passion of mine. Uh, maybe Anoop, you can share a little bit about your background and, you know, your college experience. Yeah, of course. Um, so let's see. Uh, I started off, so I was never a great student. Let's just kind of start with that. Um, nice. I, I think growing up, like I would be the one that would constantly complain about my third grade teacher and then my fourth grade teacher and then my fifth grade teacher and so on. And I always had something to critique uh, about of every single person that ever tried to teach me anything. And I don't think I realized how important these people were until high school when I was like, Oh, this is all, this is all very relevant stuff that I really need to know. Um, unfortunately that attitude kind of went into college as well. So I started off as e an econ major uh, and I liked it until I didn't like it. I wasn't very theory based. So I, I switched over to entrepreneurship and then I switched over to marketing. Uh, and then I ended up in finance at the end of it before dropping out. Um, and this was, uh, 2014, 2015, 2016-ish. Um, okay. And this is actually, so we started the company in 2015. So I was juggling um, both school uh, and a startup, and I was still partially helping out with the family business. So it was a lot of things that were happening. And I, I, I wasn't necessarily overwhelmed because I consider myself to be somewhat of a decent multitasker. Um, but the, the passion for for simply going to school wasn't there. So I, I was very like business focused and I was very into marketing and, and all these things, but uh, there was nothing there that I was learning that I wasn't learning while actively working on the startup, which was, which was this. Um, and so ultimately it came down to a decision of, was I, was I getting as much value as I wanted to while distracting myself from the thing that I was truly passionate about? And, and at some point, uh, within the second or third year, it, it, the answer became no. So um, that's kind of how that worked out. But I, I, I will say, I, I think there's, there's opportunity and there's definitely value in the education system. I, I, I think at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is hard skills versus soft skills. So uh, definitely encourage everyone to really focus on the hard skills because the soft skills you can kind of learn uh, kind of anywhere and everywhere at, at this point with the internet. Interesting. So you guys mentioned you bought a bunch of equipment. So obviously you you, sp you spent your own money to launch this thing or or walk us through kind of getting your first uh, like van and, and set up. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quite an adventure, actually. Um, so we had a lot of experience in buying and selling vehicles. That's kind of what we did on a regular basis. So um, it was relatively easy for us to find a van, uh, source it at the best possible price, negotiate as hard as we possibly could. Uh, and then we uh, had to find money for it, right? Um, being barely out of college with some student debt and all this other, uh, all these other expenses, uh, it was tough, but um, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, so we convinced our parents and, you know, some family members 
to give us a little bit of money to start this uh, business. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't really know anything about what we were building, uh, but they had faith in us uh, and they were willing to lose their money uh, by investing in us. Um, so we strapped together, you know, a decent bit of money. It was uh, a little over $50,000 uh, when you, you know, on the entire investment of this first vehicle that we built. Um, but we ended up driving out to me. My dad actually drove all the way out to Indiana, uh, bought this van, and then I drove it back. I actually made a pit stop in Ohio to load up on this expensive Italian tire uh, changing equipment. Uh, and then um, I took the van straight to Chicago where I had an outfitter put most of the stuff together for us. And then I did all the final touches uh, in our driveway, uh, you know, connecting all the hoses and the wiring and things like that. Um, and then that was just the beginning, right? Um, sure. And we have to actually make this thing work. Uh, and, you know, I was just using the best knowledge that I had uh, around best engineering practices and building you know, race cars and rockets and whatever else that I did in my past. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was very much an experiment. And uh, it was by trial and error that we finally got to a configuration of the van uh, that would actually operate. Um, the first couple of months were pretty rough because we were going back to the drawing table every so often and uh, correcting small changes or different design elements uh, and uh, yeah, that, that was kind of our first uh, first few months uh, was um, very much in R&D mode, but we were also bringing in money like, uh, you know, we were uh, actually selling and people were responding to what we were selling as well. So um, we ended up going through this vicious cycle of bootstrapping and constantly developing as much as we possibly could for almost like two and a half years um, until we finally decided, hey, maybe we should like raise some money for this uh, so that we can go even faster and do more. Interesting. So for, for people that haven't heard of Zor, how does it work uh, today? Yeah, so um, it's very, very simple. Our goal has always been to make tire replacement as easy as pushing a button. So um, obviously, our website wasn't super glamorous in the early days. It still needs some work. You know, it's still not fully done. Um, but the goal is that somebody lands on our website, selects their tires, and books an appointment. And that is literally all they have to do. Um, we give them a two-hour time window that one of our technicians will arrive within. Um, and this technician can come to your work, your home, um, maybe even while you're shopping at the mall. Um, it really doesn't matter where the vehicle is parked, as long as we have, you know, a few feet of space around the vehicle to service it. Um, we don't even need your keys. We don't even need to talk to you. We don't need to see you. Um, you know, it can be done in a very simple way. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it. So after you book an appointment online, you leave the rest to us. Uh, we install your new tires. We take your old tires away. Uh, everything gets mounted, balanced. Uh, to factory specifications. Uh, it's no different than going to any regular tire shop um, or dealership. Uh, and it's the same price, uh, sometimes a little bit cheaper, in fact, even. Okay, no, interesting. So do you guys have to stock a bunch of tire sizes 
or or how does that kind of work if if you don't have the tires or or how many do you keep on like in stock we actually don't keep any in stock so okay um that was part of what we worked on in the early days was building a uh a just-in-time logistics model that allowed us to basically build this business without any inventory um so we actually rely on local supply chain partners where we leverage their existing inventory uh and we pull on demand as people order tires off of our website uh, smart no that that makes total sense because then you guys are saving tons of storage costs right exactly interesting so I, i'm curious then so you guys raised some money for this this thing how many trucks do you guys have now and uh do you want to talk about some of the locations you guys are in yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we started out uh, in our hometown of Kansas City. Uh, this is where we grew up. This is the landscape we knew best. Uh, this is where we also had the most close ties to the car enthusiast communities and the other groups that we were affiliated with. Um, we, but we obviously knew that this wasn't where the business was going to flourish. Um, yes, we can, you know, build a great business within this uh, medium-sized city, um, but we definitely felt that we needed to go bigger. We needed to go into a tier one city, uh, a large metroplex, and really prove this out at scale. Um, and that's part of the reason why we chose uh, to go into Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, this was after um, we raised our seed round uh, last year in 2019. Okay. Uh, we made a very conscious decision that, you know, we're going to launch in Dallas. Um, partly because it was such a rapidly growing market uh, to begin with. Um, and we, we definitely feel that it's going to be, you know, one of our strongest markets uh, as we continue to roll out in new cities um, this year and next year. Um, Interesting. So how did you guys get your first customers? Did people get the concept right away? It seems like they, they should. Yeah, um, so most of our customers, I, within the first, you know, year, I would say majority of them were probably car enthusiasts. And we made a conscious decision, like I said earlier, uh, that, you know, we really need to target the people that we closely associate ourselves with. Right. Um, it was just very easy for us to spread the message about what we do, uh, because we are already part of the Facebook groups and other uh, local communities. Uh, that even host events. So it was very easy for us to show our face and be like, hey guys, like we have this great new service and everyone was just totally ecstatic about it. And we, it was actually to our surprise that we learned how many people actually needed tires. Um, you know, it's no, um, it, it's no surprise that pretty much everyone in Kansas City and Dallas uh, owns a car. There's like one car per person, you know, at the very least, right. if not more. Um, so that was like a really interesting observation. But what, what, what I think we learned that was even more interesting uh, was the fact that um, these car enthusiasts were early adopters, but also early evangelists for our company, our service and our brand. Um, when you look at these car enthusiasts, they're actually like micro influencers. Um, whenever a normal person who doesn't know a lot about cars or um, just isn't very knowledgeable 
they usually go to a trusted source. And that trusted source is usually a friend or a family member who happens to know a lot about cars. And by really resonating with the people who care about cars, um, that's really what allowed us to grow organically and not have to spend a ton of money on advertising and bootstrap for as long as we, uh, we did. Interesting. So you guys do more than just giving me new tires. Do you want to talk about all the services you guys offer? Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, we pride ourselves on focusing on just the wheel and tire assembly and anything that's related to that. Um, so, you know, tires are our bread and butter, selling new tires, installing new tires. Um, but we do also offer all of the ancillary services that come with maintaining tires. So, um, you know, think about your tire rotations. You know, it's recommended that you rotate your tires every six to 7,000 miles or approximately during every oil change. Um, so that's a common service that we offer our customers. Uh, in Kansas City, we get a little bit of wintry weather. So a lot of times we will also um, assist with switching people from winter to summer tires and vice versa. Right. It's pretty common amongst, um, you know, folks uh, up, up in the north, like in Canada, uh, where sometimes it's mandated that people switch over to winter tires. Um, but we also offer flat tire repairs. So, you know, let's say you hit a pothole or you wake up one morning and you have a flat tire. Well, instead of calling a tow truck, you can just call Zor or book with us and we send a truck straight to your home, take care of it in one shot, uh, one shot and, you know, you're back on the road. Um, so these are the services that we're offering. We also do offer additional services, but those are only offered to select businesses, not consumers at this time. Um, so think, you know, battery replacements and other, um, other ancillary services that fleet operators require on a daily basis. Okay. Do you want to cover some of those fleet services? If there's anybody listening out there that knows somebody that has a fleet or themselves? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, we work with fleets of all sizes from uh, small businesses with only a few vehicles all the way up to fleets of hundreds and thousands of vehicles. Um, you know, an interesting story as of recently was that we uh, built out an entire tire service program for uh, large Turo fleet owners. So um, with the economy kind of shifting uh, from traditional rental car models to um, more peer-to-peer car sharing. Um, there's a lot of independent operators out there that don't have a solution to maintain their tires. Um, so what we've basically built out for this, these operators is a program where we check their tires on a routine basis and always ensure that their their renters are driving on safe sets of tires um, because it's not just a maintenance issue. It's a huge liability as well. Sure. Um, if a vehicle gets sent out with, you know, low tread on the tires, um, it's likely that that company or that operator is going to be fighting a really hefty claim uh, from the insurance company. And uh, that's actually the part of the reason why these companies approached us in the first place was um, they had several incidents that caused uh, severe accidents. And, uh, you know, they, they thought that it would be better to be more proactive about tire safety. Um, and that's something that, you know, is an ongoing 
mission of ours is to ensure that every vehicle on the road is driving on safe tires. Um, because it's not just about the vehicle that we drive, it's also about the vehicles that others drive. And right. uh, um, a lot of breakdowns, a lot of accidents are a result of not having adequate tire health. No, that makes makes a lot of sense. And well, and I also think too, you guys can control kind of the quality of most things, right? Related to to tires, is that fair to say? I'm sorry. Could you uh, repeat that? Or, sure. Uh, repeat? Just you guys must be able to really control the quality of kind of like the tires and and installing them and and all that, right? Do you, like is that correct exactly, to say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, we, we stand like 110% behind our products and services that we offer. Um, you know, in case anything goes wrong, you know, we're always there to help. That's kind of what differentiates ourselves from traditional e-commerce models is that if you order tires off the internet, well, guess what? You're just dealing with an internet company, right? We actually yeah. have our people on the ground ready to assist you in the case, you know, you need us. Um, and that's that's really what separates us from everybody else. That's the reason why people continue to come back to us year after year, month after month. Um, and that's the reason why we maintain such a high net promoter score. So um, we know that this works, you know, it's maybe a tad bit of a traditional way of building a business, but we feel that it's the right way to build this type of business because tires are only important when you know the rubber kind of hits the road. Um, it doesn't really matter if you buy your tires off the internet if that company can't help you in a time when you need them to. Um, then you know they're not really doing their customers justice. No, yeah, I hundred percent agree with you, right? And yeah, like well, as and somebody like myself, like I I never change my own tires. Like I have, but like I I don't, right? And so if I ordered tires online, I wouldn't put them on myself, partly because I don't really know what I'm doing, right? And so it would make, like, so I would still have to go to a dealership with tires or somewhere to actually, like, put them on, right? Where you guys solve that whole problem, right? Like, I don't even have to, you guys just handle it all, right? And I think more and exactly. more things are going to go kind of this way, right? Like the on-demand type services, or, or what are your guys' thoughts around the future of kind of the on-demand service? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, consumer behavior is shifting, and it's shifting pretty rapidly, um, especially with all these recent events yeah. um, where everyone is locked into their homes. And guess what? Now they, you know, would prefer not to go to the local grocery store or, yeah. um, you know, they'd rather have these things delivered to them. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, we saw this shift in 2008, 2009, um, during the recession when, you know, all of these on-demand services began to emerge. Um, but I think 2020 and beyond is really going to be the time when these on-demand delivery services um, really become mainstream and they really get in front of the population um, the masses, you know, and not just a small group of early adopters, um, which I feel like there's a, most of these companies that are still delivering stuff, they only appeal to a very small demographic. 
the common American person does not use uh, a lot of these tech-enabled services. Right. And most of the industry is still vastly offline. Even tires are about 93% of all tires are still purchased in the store, right? So yeah. uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of room for the needle to move uh, in the other direction. No, I totally, right? And I also think it puts things in perspective for people too. Like in some cases, it's just a safety issue because if I don't have to go to a dealership, I can leave my car parked out in front of my house. You guys come, change my tires, bill my credit card. And in some ways, like we don't even need to talk to each other. Like, I don't mean that in a rude way. It's just, it's just like safer, right? With, with all the stuff that's happening right now in, in the world. 100%. Yep. Uh, I mean, our services were designed in a way where we don't have to interact with anybody if we don't need to. Um, so, you know, we used to collect keys from customers so that we can get inside vehicles. But recently, as of the recent events, uh, we decided to do away with that altogether. You know, if we do need to peek inside the car to check the mileage, we have the customer unlock the keys or unlock the vehicle prior to us arriving. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've tried to make it as easy as possible and frictionless as possible, given the current circumstances that we're, we find ourselves in. Sure. Well, and I also think too, there's a lot of people, you know, with disabilities or elderly people or, or other people that, that can't go outside or, or it's a lot of effort for them to do some things that a lot of us just take for granted. Right. And I think you guys are filling a, a big need there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a new, um, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think one thing that we've both been really passionate about is, is offering a service that's actually valuable. And, and when we, when we first started the business, it was kind of more of like, we didn't know where we were going with it, to be quite honest. And it was more so like, okay, car enthusiasts are definitely the type of people that would love this service. And it was more so like we were solving our own problem because we had so many bad experiences at a traditional tire shop. Um, but as that kind of evolved, we started to understand that there was a greater need for it. There was more people that were actually interested in the service. Right. And then it became a luxury good, right? So like most people maybe don't get their groceries delivered because they feel like they would be um, alienated by their neighbors or what have you for having them delivered versus just going out there and not, you know, spending the extra money if, if it is even any more expensive to go to the grocery store. Uh, I, I think similarly, we're in a time right now with with the virus which is really unfortunate and it's causing people to be home and that sort of thing to really understand what the value of time is really understand yeah. what the value of, of the safety aspect is um and i i think that's really fascinating for me as much as this is really unfortunate for certain businesses i think it forces innovation it forces people to think outside of the box it, it's it's going to bring in so many new industries and jobs and that sort of thing while maintaining understanding that we're going to lose a lot of jobs right now as well. But I think those jobs are, are were widely filled with a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of busy work and that sort of thing. So uh, I'm really excited while I understand there's a lot of chaos and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm definitely working from home. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going around anywhere and, um, and doing that sort of thing, but I'm, I'm really excited to see where things go and, and, and what, what we really learn uh, from this, this whole 
this whole situation as as a as a as a city, as a state, as a country, as as, as I guess as humanity as as a whole, what will kind of kind of take away from this from a standpoint of um, how we get our goods delivered, how we make purchases, and 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 really what it is is we're understanding what do we do with our free time, right? Would yeah. you agree? Totally, hundred percent agree. Well, and and part of part of it even just like the time that it takes to go handle some of these things. I get that time back, right? Where I can be maybe playing with my family in the backyard or something. Well, you guys are changing the tires in front of my house, right? Like that kind of thing where, you know, sometimes that writes off an afternoon or a morning or something because you got to go to the dealership and then you got to either get shuttled home or you got to get picked up or you wait and right. Like it's just, you guys are at the end of the day, saving people a, a ton of time. Right. Right. And it's almost like you could say we're and it's exaggerated to some people, but you're almost saving lives by keeping people at their homes, at the office, sure. et cetera, instead of spreading the disease to some elderly person that's also in that same waiting room or, or something of that sort. So you could you could over amplify or under amplify it as much as you wanted to. But I think we're at a really interesting time where where the, the real value providers in our communities are the ones that are really going to thrive uh, from the standpoint of offering a lot of value and help to the, to the people around them. Sure. No, that, that makes sense. And, and it's kind of like you, you need to decide on kind of what work is, is actually important and, and what can, you know, kind of get pushed aside or, or maybe not, you don't even need to worry about it anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. So I'm curious, what trends, if any, do you guys kind of see in the automotive industry? Yeah, I can answer that. This is Kamal. Um, I think first and foremost, you know, there's a a relative shortage of technicians right now. Um, You know, when we look at the labor market, um, skilled trades are slowly phasing out. But, you know, we're one of those companies where, we're actually bringing skilled trades back uh, and we're, we're creating jobs in a space where people actually enjoy working for us. Um, you know, we've had a, a very high retention rate on the technicians that we've hired. In fact, we've even hired a lot of veterans uh, that come back from overseas deployment. And now they're kind of in a disillusioned world where they don't know what to do. And, you know, we give them work that's, meaningful they feel proud of you know actually delivering value to customers and it's not exactly the easiest job but you know that's part of the challenge uh it it is a very technical job you may think that tires are simple but they're actually getting more and more complicated by the day um we're seeing all sorts of different combination of wheels and tires that are just incredibly complex compared to 20 years ago right um so there's a lot of training that goes into what we've built. Um, and I think that's something that's going to be setting um, where we're kind of trailblazing that entire um, new trend in the market. Um, and this may not just apply to tires in the future. Um, you know, we're also seeing more and more autonomous types of technologies coming out vehicles, uh, equipped with ADAS systems and LIDARs and radars and cameras. Well, you know, if we think about it, those cameras and LIDARs 
are eventually going to need to be serviced as well. Um, right. You know, they're going to need to be calibrated. You know, they're going to be, they're going to need to be repaired. Um, so who's going to do that, you know, and what is the maintenance interval going to be on those types of vehicles? That, those are all questions that I think we should be asking ourselves. Um, and manufacturers are still working on developing these requirements. But, you know, I think that, you know, when somebody in the future is going to get their tires replaced, they're also going to pay a little bit extra to get all of their sensors and everything recalibrated. Um, and uh, that presents an opportunity for us. Uh, it's just simply like adding an additional um, service to what we already offer. Um, we're already doing this with uh, smaller add-ons like windshield wipers okay. um, because, you know, when people get their tires replaced, they might as well replace another wear item uh, that allows them to see clearly when it's raining. So, right. you know, there, there's a lot of the, the automotive industry is going through a lot of change right now uh, with the current state of the economy. You know, I think dealerships are affected extremely negatively. Uh, new car sales have already been on the decline for years now. Uh, and all of a sudden you see a breakdown of the economy and, you know, their entire business basically goes to zero overnight. Um, I think that's really scary and interesting at the same time because it's going to force them to think in ways in which they have never been, um, you know, pressured to actually uh, go. Yeah, that, that, that is interesting. I, I never really thought about the maintenance side of some of the, the technology that's coming on. Uh, on some of these like new ideas, especially around like self-driving cars, right? Like in, in mm -hmm. some cases there's going to like, there's going to have to be sensors that almost send notifications to companies like yours to just like come fix this tire on because this self-driving car is like broken down on the side of the road with a flat tire, right? Like it, it's <laughs> an interesting kind yeah. of world that we're going to probably live in, in the next five, 10 plus years, right? Where there's a lot of things that, you're right. People don't really think about today, but have huge opportunities for you guys and kind of other entrepreneurs to kind of tackle, right? As well as some of the kind of mm -hmm. old current business models. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, I mean, to further elaborate on how this is going to impact the service industry, um, almost every component on the vehicle today, on a traditional internal combustion engine vehicle, is going to be negatively impacted in the near future if electrification actually takes off and you know majority of the vehicles on the road are electric in the near future yeah. you know you're not going to have oil changes you're not going to have as frequent brake replacements because these vehicles have regenerative braking they're using the electric motors to brake right. um you know you're not going to need fuel you're not going to need a whole array of services that are currently offered by dealerships and other repair shops. Um, but the only thing that is gonna retain, if not accelerate, is tire replacement. Um, you know, these vehicles are heavier, they have more torque going straight to the wheels. Um, and the, all that correlates to increased tire wear. Um, and, you know, we're noticing upwards of 30%, sometimes even more uh, tire wear on an electric vehicle rather than uh, a traditional car. Interesting. Um, just in the last year, we've seen, you know, tons and tons of Teslas come back to us for new tires or their first set of tires. And oftentimes it's kind of a premature tire replacement. Interesting. What about 
well, and I'm sure it seems like there's still a few years out, the like airless tires. Do you guys have any thoughts around that or if that's going to really change your business or it's just kind of a, an addition or what are your thoughts around those? Or do you even think they'll even ship? That's a really good question because airless tires have been, you know, people have been talking about them for decades now. Sure. And uh, we're, we're only now at the point where airless tires are being used on um, small bobcats, um, lawnmowers, and bicycles. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, on very specialty, small applications. Um, but uh, I, I think the next wave that we'll probably see in the next five to 10 years is airless tires being used in commercial applications. So um, on large heavy-duty trucks, on semi-trailers, things like that. Um, but I think it's going to take a, a decent amount of time before that ever reaches a production vehicle. Um, and it's partly due to cost. Um, it's our, yeah, yeah, there's just so many different things related to an airless tire um, that just haven't been figured out. So uh, it's going to take take quite a while before you start seeing airless tires on the road on an ordinary you know sedan or an suv sure no that makes sense so from a business side you guys must get requests from your customers that they would love if you did x service or this service or that service like windshield wipers you mentioned how do you guys decide which services to to think about adding and and kind of like to stay away from because you could potentially do a bunch of things with this, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, we've always purposely decided to stay laser focused. Um, okay. And it's because it allows us to be experts in one area and do it better than anybody else. Um, so it is sometimes painful for us to, you know, say no to a customer or, you know, not try to complicate our business any further. Um, but those are things that we're still keeping in the back of our head. So, right. you know, it's not about if we are going to do it, it's kind of about when we're going to do it. Um, I think the fleet side of the business has been an area where it's a little bit easier for us to experiment because uh, typically fleets have a standard type of vehicle they're all the same vans or the same types of trucks, or the same types of cars. So it allows us to operate a little bit, um, a little bit easier, um, you could say. Um, and, you know, if we were to introduce battery replacements or oil changes, uh, we would only need to develop it for one type of vehicle. We wouldn't necessarily need to go out and try to do it for every single type of car. Um, right. So those are the real key challenges there. Um, but, you know, we pride ourselves on being experts and, you know, domain experts in what we do. Uh, and part of our expertise is being able to develop services that can be delivered, whether that's tire related services or otherwise. Um, so, you know, you might hear from us in the near future where we do roll out something to the masses. Um, but as of right now, we're pretty well focused on tires and wheels. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious, though, do you guys plan on franchising this at some point? Or you guys just going to keep growing it yourself or a bit of both? Or you haven't really thought that far ahead? 
I think it'll be a combination of both um, and okay. maybe not like a true franchise model. Um, but the way we look at it is in terms of internal and external fulfillment. So, you know, do we manage the actual fulfillment of the jobs ourselves or do we contract it out to somebody else who we trust? Right. And um, it's the same way that Amazon or FedEx thinks about delivering packages and things like that. Um, same kind of idea. You know, maybe you might see from us this year that we launch a new city, but, and it looks and feels exactly like a Zorro branded service, but you would never know that it's actually run by a contracted company, gotcha. you know? So but that's really the approach that we take. We really try to build out elegant solutions um, and build them in such a way in which the quality of the service does not get sacrificed. I think that's probably one of the, the deterring factors from us thinking about franchising or maybe having kind of a negative attitude towards traditional franchising is that those companies don't necessarily care about quality or repeatability or consistency. And that's something that we take very seriously in, in the product that we've built. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention? Yeah, so um, for more information, you know, you can log on to our website, uh, zor.com. That's just Z as in zebra, O-H-R.com. Um, you know, we have a pretty active social media page. Um, so you can find us on Facebook, uh, backslash Zor, uh, or on Instagram at just Zor. Uh, just four letters. We try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we'd love to connect if anyone has ideas or would like to share their thoughts or provide feedback. Uh, you know, we're always open to discussing uh, and uh, building new relationships with people in the industry or otherwise. Perfect. Well, guys, yeah, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. 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 I just wanted to add, I think just kind of uh, with the, the midst of all the, the coronavirus uh, kind of situations that are kind of coming up, one thing that we're really trying to do and, and hone down hard on is, is really understanding the problems in certain communities. And if there is a need, uh, which I, I assume there is, where we're very open and flexible to uh, offering solutions for, for those that are still out working, whether that's um, healthcare providers, that's, that's fleet operators, that's delivery drivers or whomever. Um, so we're, we're doing things where we're, we're able to finance tires, where people are able to pay later, um, oh, along with just like other kind of uh, solutions, if you will, uh, for people that maybe don't have the means to pay for tires um, or that sort of thing, because that's one thing that we've been really focused on. And I, I don't know if I iterated it enough, um, but we're really trying to build something people want and need versus just like a, a company that's just there to try to maximize on profit. So uh, just to kind of refocus on that with all that being said, uh, if anybody is in need of a set of tires or if, if anyone is in a community where there is a shortage or or needs any assistance, uh, we're more than happy to, to to talk to anyone out there in the community that wherever we can add value on that front. No, that that's that's really great but uh guys I, I really appreciate you both taking the time out of your day to be on the show and i look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day yeah thank you so much thanks guys thanks so much appreciate it okay bye thanks for listening 
please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.